So this morning, we saw the presentation of the, of the Passion in the Station of the Cross. Very dramatic, and I think quite confronting presentation. I don't know about you, but I, I found myself looking at Jesus upon the cross, and the natural reaction was, why? It's, it's almost like this feeling of confusion, like, why this? You know, why, why does it have to be like this? Why did it have to be the cross? Why did it have to be so violent? Why did it, why did it have to go that way? You know, what we're celebrating this weekend is what we call the Paschal Mystery. Pascha coming from, it's like an anglicized version of Passover. So to understand this mystery, we really got to understand Passover. Because really this is the new Passover. It's the fulfillment of what God did thousands of years ago in the first Passover. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. If you've ever seen the movies about Moses and Egypt and the Israelites, the people of Israel, <laughs> the people of Israel were, were enslaved. And they've been living in Egypt for hundreds of years. And so God speaks powerfully and says, I want my people to be free, set them free from slavery. And so God does this great show of power so that Pharaoh will bow down and say, let's let them go. And so you have these ten plagues. And the ten plagues are actually very significant because each of the plagues symbolise one of the Egyptian gods. Something of how the god was symbolised, represented in that plague. And so it's basically a way of God saying, I'm going to kill all your gods. And then you're going to let my people go. So you worship the god of the Nile, the Nile will now turn to blood. Your god is dead. This is God really showing with real force and power, I am bigger than anything you have. And we know how the story ends. Pharaoh lets them go. They race through the Red Sea. God parts the waters. They're now free. And whenever we see the movies, people are like singing and dancing and using tambourines because that's what they do. And it just seems so wonderful. But if you actually read the story closely, it's a little bit more complicated. And I think this is the bit which starts to explain what we saw this morning. Because the people were happy to leave because they were being worked really hard. But their hearts were conflicted. They didn't really want to go. They, there, was, there was bits they didn't want to leave behind. You see, because the Israelites had been living in Egypt for a long time. And they had become caught up in the worship of the Egyptian gods. Now, we don't quite understand how that works these days. We kind of think, you know, what's the difference between one god and another god? But what it really came down to was how they worshipped. Now, this homily's got to be rated PG, so let's just say that the worship of these gods involved a whole lot of promiscuity. You can fill in the gaps. And so for the people, this was a whole lot more attractive than following the God of Israel. You know, when life got a little bit boring, 
It was much easier to go down to the temple and join in with what your neighbours were doing. That seemed a whole lot of fun. Now what this meant was that their hearts had become ensnared. And so when God starts to show this great sign of power, this is not just God versus Pharaoh. This is God fighting for the hearts of his people. This is personal. This is for his children. So what God is doing here is he's trying to break down all the idolatry, all the false gods that they've become caught up in. And one by one, he's smashing them until there's nothing left. And so they leave with joy, but almost with a bit of resignation of like, well, there's nothing left to stay for. And what we start to see is they go through the Red Sea, they, they're delivered, you know, they're now free from slavery. But what we find is that their hearts are still back there. Physically they've escaped, but their hearts are still back in Egypt. Because not long after, Moses gets to the base of Mount Sinai. And once again, there is lightning and there is thunder and it's dramatic and the people are like, well, this is entertaining. You know, the worship's probably not the same as what we had back there, but at least we're not going to get bored. But then Moses goes up the mountain and there's silence. He's up on the mountain for 40 days and they don't hear anything. And in that silence, their hearts start to go back to where they came from. And this is how we know that they were caught up in that idolatry because Aaron, Moses' brother, just like, well, I've got an engraving tool, we've got some gold, let's make a golden calf. He's done it before, he knows what he's doing. You know, so they go straight back to their old ways. So this really, I think, is the heart of what the first Passover was about. This was God trying to win their hearts back. And then the whole of the story of Israel, if you read through the rest of the Bible, it's the same thing. Come back. But this is what brings us to today. And I think this is what breaks open something of the real mystery of what God was doing on the cross. This is the Passover. And if you read the Gospels, straight away they recognise this. If you read beginning of John's Gospel, the first time Jesus comes on the scene, John the Baptist says to his disciples, saying, look, there is the Lamb of God. Now that's not just some pet nickname for his cousin. That's, that's him saying, this is going to be the fulfilment of the Passover. Back then you had to sacrifice a lamb. He is the lamb, the spotless one. So they know really clearly God is going to do something huge here. This is going to be the fulfilment of what happened before. And it builds, and the story builds up until what we just heard here now. This spotless lamb, you know, the God himself, is now sacrificed on our behalf so that we would be free from sin, so that once again we would be delivered from slavery. But there's one really interesting part about it. In this Passover, there's no plagues. The plagues are missing. And I think that's got to be a big question for us. In the first one, it was dramatic. There was no doubting the fact that God was present, that God was bigger than everything else. 
and you were almost compelled to have to follow him. But in this one, Christ hangs upon the cross in silence. Why? I think the difference is this. In the first Passover, they really had no choice. Everything was destroyed. There was nothing left to worship. Even if you wanted to, you could not go back there. But what God does here is he gives you complete freedom. And upon the cross, as as Christ is lifted up, he puts before us this contrast. It's as though what he's saying is, look around you. Look at everything people are worshipping. Look at what you are worshipping. Even if you don't believe in God, you are worshipping. Everybody worships something. Look at what you are worshipping. Everything, every one of these gods is saying to you, if you buy this, you'll be loved. If you have this, you'll be loved. If you do this, you will be loved. If you lower your standards enough, you will be loved. If you degrade yourself, sell yourself, you will be loved. But Christ gives the comparison and he stands before us and just simply says, you are loved. He opens his arms and he says, this is how much you are loved now. It's your choice. You have absolute freedom as to how you are to respond. You can spend the rest of your life chasing it. You can spend the rest of your life going after every single one of these gods, trying to be loved, hoping that if you do enough, have enough, you will be loved. Or you can come to the face of the cross. You can come and look upon Christ and realise that you already are. That's the choice. He doesn't destroy them. He doesn't get rid of it. He gives you complete freedom. And once again, this is where we need to actually look at the silence differently. Originally, the silence was a cause of of, of despair for the Israelites. They lost hope. God said nothing. And so their hearts went back to what they already knew. But this time around, as Christ hangs in this awful silence upon the cross, as we saw this morning, there is an invitation to go deeply into that message. You are loved. In Matthew's Gospel, it says that when Jesus dies upon the cross, the the veil of the temple is torn in two. Basically, this this was like like a curtain, like a huge veil separating the presence of God from the people. And it's saying, at this moment, it's now ripped apart and you now have complete access to God. In John's Gospel, which we just heard, that same thing is symbolised by Christ's heart being pierced. The temple, the heart of God is now ripped open. You have complete access to the love. The question is whether you want to enter in. 
whether you are prepared to leave behind what could be, what might be, to enter into what is. That's where we find ourselves today. Through the cross, Christ has shown the absolute limits of his love, his unending love, in a way that cannot ever be denied, that he would be prepared to give everything. We are now called to go on a journey to enter in, that we would no longer be spectators sitting on the fringes, we would no longer just be one foot in one camp and one in another, but we would actually immerse ourselves and enter deeply into the heart of Christ to pray that he would tear open that veil in our own hearts, those veils of doubt, those veils of fear, those veils of shame particularly. Pray that as, as we gaze upon the cross, he would just rip them apart so that we could see the truth of what is in front of us. You are loved. And you are made to live in this love, to immerse yourself deeper every day in this love. So as we go on today, we're going to have a chance to come forward and venerate the cross. And I really ask you to pray that God would tear open your own hearts, particularly the shame, anything that would hold you back, anything of those fears of what I've done worshipping these other gods in the past. He just says, come. He just opens himself with complete mercy and says, I'm not thinking about the past. I just want you to enter into life. So as you come forward for the veneration today, I want to really encourage you to make this your simple response of stepping forward and just asking the Lord to reveal something which can be so hard to understand. When we look at the cross, all we see is the violence, all we see is the blood. But let's pray that God would really soften our eyes to see the heart, to see his message spoken personally to you. Let us leave behind everything that was in the past. Let's make this completely free choice to now step into life, really immerse ourselves into his love.